Garbage Into Gold, a Sixers podcast, is part of Philadelphia Sports Nation. They are enhancing your Philadelphia sports fan experience. Visit online at phlsportsnation.com. Flowers are blooming, the grass is growing, and men, it's time to chop those weeds. Thanks to our sponsor, Manscaped, you can trim your holes safely and efficiently. I'm talking about ball trimmers, gentlemen. Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming, have an exclusive offer for our audience. Use the code PHL to get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com and join the other 2 million men who trust Manscaped. They are here to make sure you are trimmed and smelling nice. After all, it's time for a little spring cleaning. Have you heard of their Weed Whacker? This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. No more gross nose hairs flying in the wind. And the Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 rotations per minute motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Manscaped is making, is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to, delivering maximum confidence while providing hygiene. Manscaped obviously still has their Perfect Package 3.0, which comes with their signature trimmer and much more. So you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PHL at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PHL at manscaped.com. It's spring cleaning, baby, and your balls will thank you. All right, on this episode of Garbage Into Gold, we will discuss the Sixers win over the Brooklyn Nets in Philadelphia from Wednesday night, a game that did not feature Kevin Durant or Blake Griffin or James Harden. Uh, Sixers led by 20 and ended up only winning by the skin of their teeth. So we'll chat about that game. We'll talk about how these two teams might match up against each other full strength come playoff time. Uh, We'll also touch on the MVP race now that Joel Embiid is back from his injury, talk about the Sixers' upcoming schedule, and a lot more. So thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this episode of Garbage Into Gold. Garbage Into Gold. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Garbage Into Gold. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Apter, and I am joined by my co-host, Jesse Larch. Jesse, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Got a day off, got some errands done, and now I'm talking to Brandon Apter and his soft, dulcet tones. Mm. Couldn't ask for a better Thursday, if, if you ask me. Couldn't ask for a better Thursday. Um, I mean, luckily, and the and the and the union moved on in Concacaf Champions League last night. So, <laughs> and as expect- that's what we're here to talk about, right? That's that's why we're doing this. <laughs> and episode, as expected, the Phillies started hot and have gone back to being the Phillies, and the Sixers still, you know, look like they can dominate games and end up uh, only winning by the skin of their teeth. Yeah, old habits die hard, don't they? Don't they really though? So. I mean, last night against the Nets, it looked like they were going to cruise to a what was really a, a wire-to-wire win. It was close for maybe the first quarter and a half, and then Sixers pulled away. They led by as many as 22 points. And um, 
before you know it, you know, we're in the fourth quarter and the Brooklyn Nets reserved uh, Timothy Luau Cabarro and, you know, their third string big men because uh, Blake Griffin was sitting. DeAndre Jordan wasn't playing anymore, uh, you know, outran the Sixers bench unit, which, you know, it seemed like the bench unit was on the floor for 15 minutes, which was a little ridiculous, but we'll get to that. But uh, Sixers able to hold them off 123 to 117. And unfortunately, they had to end up bringing the starters back aside uh, with the exception of Tobias Harris uh, in the final minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, Embiid uh, finishes with 39 and 13. It looked like he was having a little bit of trouble in the first quarters. Uh, Tobias Harris didn't play the last chunk of the fourth quarter because he was, quote, limping around per Doc Rivers. Hopefully he's okay. He's a guy, I, I think he's only missed one game this season. So if he needs to rest a game or two, I'm completely okay with that. He had 26 and 5 uh, in 34 minutes. Ben Simmons, strong game, 17 points, 9 assists, 4 rebounds. Uh, and, and a nice game from Shake Milton, who's had an up and down uh, season, 15 points. Three or four from beyond the arc. Furkan Korkmaz caught some fire uh, in the third quarter, too. But uh, I guess, Jesse, your overall thoughts on this game. Um, you know, they they're, go up by 22 at some point in the third quarter and end up only winning by six. Uh, are you focusing more on what they were able to do through three quarters or what they were not able to do in that final 12 minutes? I really think you can't take a goddamn thing from this game because the Nets sat everybody. So all the questions we had about how these teams line up and how they look against each other didn't get answered. Um, as far as closing the game, I mean, you put the bench unit out. That's not your normal closing lineup. So it's hard to say that we learned anything there. Uh, it's almost like a wash. It's like, cool, it's a feather in the cap to beat the Nets and to take over first place. But as far as all the things that we actually care about, you know, is, is this team ready to take on the Nets in a seven-game series? We couldn't ask any of those questions because so many key players were out for the Nets that it made it, it – it was like almost like an exhibition game, really. And you mentioned, you know, the starters go up double digits and then they come out of the game. I mean, it was bench versus bench at the end until the starters had to save it. So – yeah, I, I don't think you can really draw any significant conclusions from that game last night. It's good to be in first place, but in terms of like matchup wise and how far can the Sixers go, we didn't learn anything. Yeah, um, I, I think Kyrie looked pretty good, even though they made the run. Um, um, even though they made the run with with him on the bench, he looked pretty good for the first three three quarters for the most part um Matisse Thibel had a good block on him Danny Green guarded him a little bit Simmons guarded him a little bit I always forget how good Kyrie is because he's so weird and he misses games a lot but um yeah I guess um the biggest thing for me is that you know the Sixers have now played I'm trying to do math in my head um you know, it, it, they've played over 50 games and we're still to the point where Doc Rivers is riding all bench lineups. And I want to talk about that because it's just not working, especially like on a night where Dwight Howard is uh, out because of knee soreness. Uh, so you have a bench unit of 
Mike Scott, Matisse Thibel, Shake Milton, Furkan Korkmaz, and then one of the starters. So maybe not an all-bench unit, but enough of a bench unit for it to feel like a bench unit. Um, but, I mean, they go on, on the floor, like, midway through the third quarter and are pretty much there through the start of the fourth quarter. Um, and it just seemed like too long. You know, once the lead got down to 10, that was when Doc Rivers started to put his starters back in. So I guess overall for me, I just don't understand why we're still seeing this. If this isn't something that we're going to see in the playoffs and it shouldn't be something that we see in the playoffs where it's just all bench guys and one starter, then I don't understand why we're seeing it now. I feel like you need to tinker and see which starters and which bench guys play well together so you can prepare for the playoffs. Because if you show up to playoff game one and you try to play Simmons and Embiid with uh, somebody that they haven't played with a whole lot, like, sure, it's not going to be a complete disaster, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me that we're seeing all bench and all starters. I'm not sure. What are your thoughts on, on the whole thing? I mean, I wish, like, I think you're right. Like, you need to find out what lineups work best for the team, but I still don't know that you learn that by putting that lineup on the floor against TLC, Landry Shamit, Ali Zay Johnson. Like, you know, does that really tell you what you have playing that against that lineup? I mean, it can tell you what you don't have if they can't perform against that lineup. But, I mean, I, I think the Nets kind of. I think the Nets kind of ducked the Sixers a little bit, whether it was just to keep the upper hand going for them or whether guys were actually hurt or not. It, it left a bad taste in my mouth to see all of the Nets out. Yeah, um, we didn't know until like midway through the day that Kyrie was going to play. I mean, Harden's been out for a little while. Um, and then Durant, you know, he had just come back a week or two ago and isn't playing in back-to-backs. And they, the Nets had to go through that whole thing where uh, they were postponed in Minnesota. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was pretty disappointed, too. It was a matchup that I was looking forward to and a lot of people were looking forward to for a while as, like, the measuring stick. And now these teams won't see each other at full strength uh, at any point during the season, really. Um, yeah. So it's just – it's frustrating. I mean, I don't, I don't really think Blake Griffin – in the scheme of things is going to like make a gigantic difference when it comes to them defensively or, or anything like that. But uh, it, it would have been nice to at least see like Durant because we haven't, we haven't seen him yet this season in a Nets uniform. Yeah. And it's like I said, I don't know, you know, I was discussing this with my friend last night when we watched the game. It's like, you know, why would they have no one play? And I said part of it would be because if the Sixers beat them at full strength, then like that's a big that's a big momentum shift going into the playoffs. If you if say we get to the Eastern Conference Finals and Sixers and Nets end up being the two teams there, which it looks pretty likely that might be the case, those are the two teams there at the end. And if the Sixers already have a win over the Nets, who they're not expected to beat right now, that's a huge mental advantage where right now the Nets just kind of kept the status quo and you know oh they beat our bench they didn't beat us and you know they can kind of rest their laurels on that and go into a series you know still with that mental advantage I want to say not that I think the Sixers are going to be discouraged by any means Mm -hmm. 
but you know, it, I think it was a little bit of gamesmanship going on. I think it was a chess move. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know. I don't really know what to, what to call it. Um, I mean, I'm not worried about Steve, Steve Nash even said he thought about sitting KD the night before. So KD could play against the Sixers. Yeah. And he decided not to. So essentially he handed us first place. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to turn it down. I, I saw his press conference, and he said something on, along the lines that he wasn't sure what he was going to do, but because they had the postponement, they just wanted to get everybody they had on the court and, and do it that way. But, you know, I I guess uh, for them, you want to try and... yeah. I mean, either way you look at it, first of all, they're cowards. Second, Secondly, like the way that they did it is just like, okay, we have these two games better chance we lose to the Sixers than against the Timberwolves. So we might as well play everybody against the Timberwolves and get the, you know, quote unquote automatic win and then sit KD against the Sixers because we'll already, you know, have picked up a game in this back-to-back anyway. So it might've just been them wanting to get a win in the back-to-back rather than really caring about matching up against a potential Eastern conference finals opponent in, in the end. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, so when it comes to Eastern Conference Finals, you know, Sixers game and a half up uh, in first place right now. Um, so full strength, assuming these teams are full strength and make it through the first two rounds of the playoffs and they end up playing each other in the Eastern Conference Finals, you know, you have a starting lineup right now for the Sixers that has Tobias Harris, Danny Green, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Seth Curry. And then for the Nets, uh, if they are at full strength, you're likely looking at Kyrie, KD, uh, James Harden, DeAndre Jordan, and um, probably Joe Harris would be my guess. Um, So looking at that, uh, I guess my my first thought is the big three is for both teams, who defends who. Ben Simmons, defensive player of the year candidate. Do you put him on KD? Do you put him on Harden? Do you put him on Kyrie? Does Tobias Harris get the KD assignment? So um, I know you've you've talked about this a few times with me and other folks. So I, before I give my thoughts, I'd love to get your thoughts on who, who you think should be guarding who or if the Sixers should make a lineup change to make sure they're covered on the defensive end when if it comes to this. I think Matisse needs to start. I think... That's first and foremost. Um, the Sixers are a phenomenal defensive team. That is their strength. That's their bread and butter. That's what they're going to rely on in the playoffs when things get tight. So they need to prioritize that. I think you drop maybe Seth or Danny from the lineup and put Matisse in to start, which is risky because then who's going to space the floor? I mean, you got to hope Matisse has somewhat of a shooting touch. Um. I probably put Matisse on Kyrie only because I think if you put him on Harden, Harden's going to eat him alive. Yeah. I think Harden's going to put Matisse in foul trouble quick. So I would probably put Ben on Harden for that reason. Yeah. I think Ben's a more disciplined defender. I think he can limit uh, Harden's handle and kind of – not allow Harden to get his momentum to go towards the rim. He can suffocate him, make him stay right in front of him, not allow him to dribble past him. Mm-hmm. Then I put Tobias on KD 
and you pretty much just say KD's going to get his points. Right. Because I don't think there's any scenario where you stop all three guys. Mm-hmm. So you, it's like when you play the Bucks, you let Giannis get his 40, 10, and 10 or whatever that he gets against us every time, but we get the win. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you're going to have to let one of them score because you're not going to keep them off the board. But if you can limit the impact that Kyrie and Harden can have and just let KD score on his own, KD can score 50 a night, but he could lose every game because they don't have an answer for Embiid on the defensive end. Right. And we saw that. They went through every big on their bench, and Blake Griffin ain't going to do any better. Nope. So, like, that we already have the advantage for them when it comes to the paint. They're not going to really threaten us for points in the paint. Um, I mean, you could even maybe try to run some double teams if Katie gets the ball, have Tobias, and then, you know, have Danny try to backdoor him and punch it out, something like that. But I think you need to have Matisse in the lineup. I think that's the one change that would have to happen. Yeah, um, I, I was going to suggest that, but I'm just not sure who you take out. Yeah. Because if you take out Seth Curry, um, yeah, it doesn't completely ruin the the spacing around uh, Embiid and, and Simmons, but you lose that three-point threat. Um, you know, if you take out Danny Green, I mean, he's looked really good lately, and he can hold his own defensively, but um, I'm not sure he could hold his own against Kyrie or Durant um, just because he's he's a little bit slower, so... I don't. I don't really know. I I would be kind of surprised if Doc started Matisse in a series against the Nets, just because I feel like you have to be able to match them offensively. Um, so depending on what happens with George Hill, because he's, you know, he's he's a capable defender. Um, I'd be curious to see if they go with George Hill in a situation like that to guard uh, Kyrie, and then. Uh, Seth Curry comes off the bench, and then I guess you just live with Danny Green on, um, or you have Simmons on Harden and Tobias on um, KD. And Tobias has has been a, a better defender, and and I know Durant is Durant, but you kind of have Danny Green as as you know a floating defender that can kind of cover one of those guys if if they get switched in a pick, and you don't have like a gi- I don't think they have a gigantic glaring weakness. And I guess my other thought of it is, is um, you know, we saw in the Nuggets game, uh, there were moments where Tobias was match up on uh, Nikola Jokic. So I wonder if they would switch Tobias onto like a DeAndre Jordan and have Embiid um, try and cover Durant, given Durant is a little bit more of a guy that runs around the perimeter. But um, I'd be curious to see if they end up doing any of any anything of that. Um, in a series against the Nets, but it's, it's honestly like a super fascinating thing to, to think about because I just have no idea what it would end up being. Uh, I mean, I didn't, even th- it didn't occur to me, but I just got the thought of, you know, it wouldn't be the starting lineup, but a George Hill, Matisse Thibel, Danny Green, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid lineup. And that, that could be a closing lineup really. Yeah, yeah. You talk about the, being defensively responsible. George Hill is a, you know, he's a good enough shooter. Obviously, Danny Green, um, you know, I took the bias out of that. I wouldn't yeah. take the bias out of that. Let me, that wouldn't be my closing lineup. 
But you would have an option for a very defense-heavy lineup with the options we have right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope we do get to that point, or you know, if we don't have to face the Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals, that would be okay too. Um, but of course, like these are the teams that I want to see. Like the Nets are a team that I'd love to see the Sixers play. Like I just um, that's best for business, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think so, because the other the like the I'm not really scared by the Bucks, um, in the playoffs. I'm I'm just not. Giannis is nurse, nursing an injury, and um, you know if you get the one seed, you avoid either of those, and then the four seed is is the Hawks. So you're looking at you know a first round as of today would be against either the Hornets or the Heat, and I I don't know if I would want to play the Heat. I feel like that would be a tough first first round series for them, but if you can end up playing the Knicks or the Hornets in the first round and then have to play one of the Celtics or the Heat in round two, I think that you're you're in a pretty good position. Yeah, I mean, I think the only team that's beating the Sixers right now are the Nets, if they beat the Sixers. I, I mean, I don't get the vibe that this team's going to fall apart in the playoffs like we have in the past. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. Um why don't we take a quick break and uh, hear a little bit about Anchor? All right, now that we've heard about Anchor, why don't we talk about what I said that we were going to talk about? Gosh, I... Uh... Oh, yeah, the last thing on the Nets um, earlier today, I think we were all kind of surprised by it, but LaMarcus Aldridge uh, announcing his retirement due to an irregular heartbeat. So uh, the veteran big man uh, was was not active in the Sixers-Nets game on Wednesday night, announces his retirement. Really, really uh, looking at his career, um, really one of the best mid-range big men that we've seen in the last two decades, I'd say. Um, you know, really a lot of great that years. Fi- that 15-footer is automatic. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he, he's won me fantasy basketball titles with that 15-footer. Yeah. Um, I mean, he had a nice run with, was he originally with the Blazers? Yes, Portland and San Antonio. Yeah, so he had a nice run in Portland, was part of that big three that they had with uh, McCollum and and Lillard for a little while before he went to the Spurs. Uh, And he was a guy that I would have liked to see the Sixers get um, on the buyout market, but they didn't end up doing so. But at this point, I, I just hope that He's all right, and uh, it's nice to see him looking out for his health uh, in the end. Yeah, that sucks because he's is one of those players that I've always liked. Um, I mean, a little short-sighted take. Good, good news for the Sixers, I guess, because it's one less facet the Nets have to use. But you never want to see a guy not be able to go out on his own terms. So, you know, it really sucks for him. I did see, you know, Dame Lillard's already calling for Portland to retire his number. I mean, he's getting a ton of respect around the league that he's definitely earned. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe he gets it corrected and can come back for a swan song or something. But maybe he's he he, he might be a little beyond that. Uh, I think uh, age wise, I would be pretty surprised. But he seems like somebody who would come back as a coach. Definitely. Yeah, maybe at uh at some point um what else did i have 
uh, MVP line, uh, MVP race. Um, so I just sent this to you before we recorded, uh, but I think it was Tim Bontemps from ESPN uh, released a story about the MVP race. You know, LeBron sidelined with injury. Embiid has missed 18, 20 games because of injury. Um, <clears throat> Nikola Jokic, who is the other guy being mentioned, has not mentioned, uh, has not missed a game this season. So in a straw poll taken by ESPN, um, uh, Nikola Jokic took 90 of the 101 first place votes cast in the latest straw poll. Uh, by the media members. He would be the first center to win MVP since Shaquille O'Neal in the year 2000. Um, Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo were the only other players named on the ballots that got more than 70 70 first-place votes, I believe it was, Um, or to be named on uh, that many ballots, sorry. So, you know, this is difficult because, you know, Nikola Jokic has not missed a game. And uh, obviously, Joel Embiid, that's been something that's gone up against him his entire career. Obviously, he's an extremely dominant player. Uh, We have not gotten to see him go up against Jokic this season because of his injury. Um, but Embiid has really, really been on quite a roll even since returning from his injury. Um, I mean, averaging 29.2 points, um, 8.8 rebounds, not turning the ball over very much, uh, shooting 47.3% from the field, still uh, hitting hitting threes at a, at a reasonable rate, and very good three-point shooter, or a very good free-throw shooter, very effective there. So... Um, you know, it doesn't surprise me that Jokic is kind of like the quote-unquote front runner now, um, but uh, I still feel maybe. I mean, I'm probably biased, but it's just like I still feel like Embiid, despite the time that he missed, is a more impactful player on his team, and his team's the number one seed primarily because of the play that he's put in this season. So, uh, your thoughts on on the MVP race and if there's still a chance for Embiid to to win the race, despite Jokic kind of uh, in that straw poll looks to be running away with, with it, with the media member ballots at least. Yeah. I mean, I think Jokic's case has gone to decrease over the next couple of weeks. Um, I think losing Jamal Murray is a big loss for Denver. I think it is going to put more attention on Jokic. And I don't mean nationally. I mean, from opposing defenses. And I think he's going to have a harder time doing what he's been able to do so far. One, because he doesn't have someone like Murray to convert on the assist chances. Doesn't have Murray to be respected by the opposing defense. Now, the Nuggets are still, you know, a very deep team. But, I, you know, that's a big loss. Jamal Murray's been one of the rising stars of the league, for, you know, since he's entered the league, what was it, four or five years ago. You know, and every year he gets better and he demands more of the share offensively and he's become a better scorer and a legit threat. So now teams don't have to worry about that threat, and they can kind of go for the head of the snake now and try to eliminate Jokic. Maybe he sees more double teams, and we'll see how he handles all of that. Um, I think Embiid's candidacy might be dead in the water just because of the injuries, although I don't think it should be. I think he's proven to be dominant and unstoppable against everyone he's played against this year. I don't think he's had – I can't even tell you the last time he's had a disappointing game. 
feels like every night he's giving you 30 and 10. Um, the one name that you didn't mention, and this is just a case of his whole career not getting respect, is Damian Lillard, who's, I believe he's averaging almost 30 points with like eight assists and four rebounds on a team that by the end of the season might be above Denver in the standings with this Murray injury coming out. Like Denver might tumble a little bit and Portland's been playing good basketball all season. So I I think Damian Lillard's the person that push Jokic for the title right now. Um, I I don't want to, I just, I'm tired of Giannis. Yeah. He's a, he's a one trick pony with one exceptional trick. I think because of injuries to Curry, injuries to Klay Thompson, injuries to Durant, injuries to Kyrie, injuries to LeBron, I feel like um, Giannis over the past couple of years, like I'm not saying that he wasn't worthy of the MVP award. I mean, I don't have anything against Giannis. I think he's a really great player. He has, he certainly has limitations. Uh, we know about limitations when it comes to some of our players. Um, but I just, uh, you know, I just view players like Curry or LeBron or Embiid as a little more versatile than Giannis because they have more than one trick in their, in their books. Like he, he's such a, and they call him a Greek freak for a reason, but, um, I mean, I, I agree with you. I just, I think he's a great player, but I don't think he is at the level of these other guys that I've that I've named. And I think injuries to those guys have, have kind of changed the landscape of, of the MVP uh, award over the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I certainly hope uh, of the remaining games that Embiid plays that he's able to, to help uh, cement at least a serious candidacy for him to win MVP because it, I'd hate to see this amazing season he's putting together uh, not get awarded with something like like that. I think he deserves it, and I'm certainly biased. But um, yeah, I just I don't want Jokic to get it. I just don't. I I think one other guy that I would uh, that I'd probably mention um, if they were competitive is probably Bradley Beal, too. I mean he's he's had a very under the radar, very good season, but it's not really talked about because he plays for the Washington Wizards. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure I mean, of his exact he, numbers, he but should, I mean, he's he averaging... should stop being, he should stop being so loyal to the wizards and just come play for the Sixers already. <laughs> 31 points a game. Um, you know, is he, is he leading the league in points per game? Yes, he is. Yeah. I feel like he has to be shooting nearly 50%. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's just really good. And I think he'd, uh, again, the reason he's not an MVP candidate is because of the team that he's on, and unfortunately, that's how it's going to be for a little while in Washington. It looks like didn't didn't Russ win MVP when the Thunder didn't even make the playoffs? <sighs> that's a good question. That is a good when he, question. when he averaged the triple double because it was like the first year without KD. Uh, let's take a look. Let's take a look. It was. I'm looking on basketball reference right now. He won it the 2016-17 season. And so that one for OKC was just great content here on Garbage Into Gold. While I look up stats, I need like the Jeopardy music well, or something Well, we're, like we're officially launching the Bradley Beal MVP train. 
just so Nikola Jokic can't call himself the best center in the NBA. So it's all for Joel Embiid. This is the whole point. Yeah, that's really what. Yeah, so the Thunder that year went... Uh, that's not correct. Uh, no, they were the sixth seed, 47 and 35. Oh. Yeah, so... Close, Still, but no cigar. Record, losing record and one MVP. So. Yeah. Um, all right, well, I guess the other thing that we have coming up... At, you know, I heard a lot of people talking about the Sixers having a relatively easy schedule to finish... But um, we, in order to get that quote-unquote to finish part, we need to get through the rest of the difficult schedule. Uh, of the next five games for the Sixers, four of which are on national television, are against uh, teams that will present a challenge. Uh, aside from maybe Golden State, if Cur- well, Curry's back, never mind. So, so Golden State might be, might be a tough one, too. Um, so on Friday, they play Kawhi, Paul George, and the Clippers at home on ESPN. They uh, have Saturday, Sunday off before playing the Warriors on Monday night, the 19th on ESPN. And then you have the Phoenix Suns pr- before heading to Milwaukee for a back-to-back, not a back-to-back, but they're in Milwaukee for two straight games, Thursday and Saturday. So you have one, two, three, four, five tough games, and then you have OKC, Atlanta twice, San Antonio, Chicago, Houston, New Orleans, Detroit, Indiana, Miami, and then Orlando twice to finish. So over this next five, you hope that they can go uh, four and one and uh, hang on to that one seed and, and kind of cruise cruise to it in the end. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a cakewalk after you get through that stretch there. What is it? We have back-to-back with the Bucks. That's yeah. the biggest one. I don't know I how think. long Giannis is going to be out for. I know he's been out for six, at least six games with an injury. Well, kill his MVP case then. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously, Jesus. though. So finicky, this NBA. Um. Yeah, no, I would like <clears> – we have, what, two weeks of tough games and then as long yeah. as we don't really drop any games well, here. I mean, we'll lose one to the Hawks. We always lose one to the Hawks. <laughs> Maybe not until we get to the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, lose game, lose game one. Watch the city catch on fire. Oh boy! Well, the Hawks aren't gonna uh, play us in the first round. I mean, they're probably gonna be the four or five seed, which is pretty wild to talk about. Yeah, considering they cost me so many bets at the start of the year by not beating teams they should have beaten. Sons so I thought that I thought they bitches. were gonna suck again. Well, I mean, who knows? The four seed and the eight seed in the Eastern conference is separated by all of two and a half games. And then the Pacers are just one game out of the eighth seed. So who knows? And then then there's the play in on top of it. Yeah. Which for the East doesn't look great because I mean, the Chicago bulls are four games behind the Pacers. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I personally, I wouldn't want the bulls in a seven game series. If I'm any of those teams that are in the bottom, Levine, uh, just got a notification that he is out indefinitely due to COVID protocols. Ooh, that sounds like a setup. So We're still, I mean, it's still have Vucevic, um, Kobe whites. I mean, he's got potential. He's coming along. Yeah, they've he's lost still- their last four. Um, they've lost to Minnesota. They've lost to Orlando. This just, I mean, mm. Yeah, I don't see I don't see them winning a play in. I don't see it happening unless Levine goes off for like sixty. Yeah, I mean there was like a week ago he scored fifty and they still lost to Atlanta. I mean I think Vucevic and Sabonis would be a washout. Then when you give me Levert versus Levine, I'll take Levine. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know if Miles Turner has been playing better too, so we'll see. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. want to face TJ McConnell on a first-round playoff series either. I wouldn't want to do it. That's... TJ and Jakar, I mean, that strikes fear in me. Well, speaking of which, watch out for Portland, dude. Robert Covington sitting on that team? Sheesh. Yeah, well. What other process sixers are making it this year? Um, Drew Holiday. Well, I guess Drew Holiday is pre-process. He kicked off the process. He was the... It was the catalyst. I remember exactly where I was when they made that trade. I was very unhappy. I was very confused. Uh, let's I see. Mean, I thought we, we were have getting Lan- young. Why did uh, you just trade a 22-year-old uh, all-star point guard? Timote Luwawu Cabarrot on the Nets. Landry Shamet wasn't really a process sixer. Yeah. Um, Nerlens on the Knicks. Nerlens. It's a big um, one. I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. Okafor was a piston last I saw, so he ain't making it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if we go over the Western Conference, you have Dario on the Suns. That's a big one. Um, a big one. Yeah. And then uh, Washington, so he ain't making it. On Dallas, you have Boban, but he wasn't process. Nah. No. Rashawn Boban. Holmes on the Kings. He, that, they're not yep. going to make it. So, yeah. Damn. Hopefully we don't get uh, burnt by Landry Shamet and TLC in the Eastern Conference Finals. If that would be the worst. If we get burnt by TLC, I'll never watch the Sixers again. I'm with you on that. You heard it here first. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Garbage Into Gold. Uh, We'll catch you next time, probably at some point, uh, either in the midst of this five-game stretch that they have, you know, maybe after the Suns game. Jesse, I know the Suns are like a second second son to you after the Sixers. So uh, we have the Suns game coming up. on uh, Wednesday, April the 21st. So maybe before they're back-to-back or two games in Milwaukee, we'll uh, get back together and hang out to talk about uh, the Phoenix Suns, too. Just so we can do our weekly check-in, where are the Suns at in the West right now? Uh, second? Second. Uh, they're well, first in their division, but second in mirac- the Miraculous. Uh, second in the West. One, a game and a half out of first. As someone who was vehement, I did not want Chris Paul in Philadelphia. The moment he went to Phoenix, it was a perfect fit, and I knew that. Yeah, Phoenix. I didn't like his fit in Philly. I love this fit in Phoenix, and what I foresaw happening has happened. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Because we go back however many months ago. I said it. I was on record. The Suns are going to have home court in the first round of the playoffs. They're going to do it. Yeah, I forget where I had them finishing. I think it was maybe fourth or fifth, but I'll have to. I don't even know if you had them as a playoff team. I sure did. I sure did. I'm going to shut you up before you can talk any more shit to me. So we'll catch you next time, probably after the Suns game. Hopefully the Sixers win, uh, even though, even though uh, I'll always have it for, for my, for my good old love Dario. I just want both teams to have fun. Yeah. All right, everybody catch you next time.